0: ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Powersports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp at com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. Dane Molander, how are you, sir? Thank you for coming on ATV Talk. Uh, Not too bad. Uh, How about yourself? I'm doing great, man. It's just a little hot here in Southern California, but eh,
1: I'll get over it. Yeah, it's a pleasure for you to have me on here.
0: Oh, it's my honor. All you guys back back there, it was it was great to meet you and and spend a, We didn't get to spend a lot of time. Um, unfortunately, on Friday, I never made it over to where you guys were parked. And uh, I apologize for that. I really wanted to spend a little time with each one of you guys in the pro sport and the, the pro am to talk about what we were going to do on Friday night, you know, with the press conference and everything. Um, so I apologize for that. Uh, next time I'll do better so that, uh, we're all better prepared.
1: Oh, no worries. I know you're a, a celebrity when you come over here and you really can't walk about five foot without, uh, having a conversation with somebody else. I know how it
0: is. I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a celebrity. It's just, I haven't met some people face to face and I haven't seen others for years and years. And it was really, really enjoyable to come and hang out with, with everybody, um, at the motocross and, uh, you guys were all so welcoming. It was, it was pretty awesome. Yes, sir. It was, uh, it was nice having you over here. And don't call me, sir. I'm Leonard. <laughs> my dad's in the other room. I can bring him in and have him sit down if you'd like, but, uh, uh, just, just call me Leonard. It's, I appreciate that. Okay you know I, I understand the respect thing and it's it's great it's it's uh we're having a uh, mutual conversation on an even playing field here right now so uh you you don't have to do that
1: i got you. it's just uh it's out
0: of habit at this
1: point i've just been doing it so long in my life uh i can't just kind of say it without saying it i guess
0: is it an upbringing from mom and dad
1: yeah my uh my dad really uh, made sure I was good with my manners uh, on my upbringing. He was really persistent with that. So that's kind of just something it's just um, immediate comes out of my mouth. I don't even like really think about
0: it. That's okay. I, I still have the handprint in the back of my head from, uh, not saying yes, ma'am. And yes, sir. and <laughs> No, thank you. And please. So yeah, I get it. Yeah. My mom and dad were, uh, my mo- my See, my dad's there. My, unfortunately, mom's gone, but um they were really into um yes, ma'am, and please and sir and thank you. Uh military-backed families. My dad comes from a military family, and so is my mom. So it was it was just natural and normal. Okay. I don't know if there was military in your family, but that's where it comes from in ours. So I still say it too. And I still do it too. Um, don't get me wrong. It, it will probably never, you'll be, you'll be 50 years old and be saying sir and ma'am, and thank you to young people. And and they'll be looking at you like you're crazy.
1: Oh yeah, no, it, uh, it happens now. I'll uh, be talking to kids up on the line and be telling them good luck. And they'll ask me a question about uh, out on the track or something. And I'll, I'll tell them and I'll be like, yes, sir. Or whatever. It just, it just comes out of my mouth. It doesn't matter who I'm talking to it. It just happens. Nice. Keep it up.
0: It's, it's excellent. Um, (laughs) Thank you. Let's get into a little bit of ATV racing. Um, we talked a few minutes before we started recording and, um, you started racing cross country before you turned to motocross. Um, Have you ever thought of going back to cross country?
1: Uh, I have thought about it a little bit. I thought about uh, going back and maybe testing the waters again and seeing how I do. But uh, to be honest, I don't know if I'd even want to go back on a quad. I think if I went back and did cross country, I'd actually do it on a dirt bike Mm -hmm. out of anything, to be honest. Um, I don't know, just riding a quad in the woods. It's fun, but, it's, I don't know if I can go back to being wide open again, flying past trees at fourth gear and just trying not to wrap myself around one.
0: So do you do much cross training with a dirt bike? Uh,
1: not really. I ride here and there. I ride with my father a lot. Uh, when he wants to go out and ride, we'll, uh, go, uh, do trails and stuff, but I'm not bad on the dirt bike. Uh, we got like a group of guys that we go out with, uh, one dude's, um, he runs B class in, uh, GNCCs for two fifties and I run with him pretty well.
0: Well, that's awesome. So, so you have some training. If you can't ride the quad, you have a dirt bike to go ride. Uh, can you ride it on the motocross track?
1: Uh, yeah, but I'm, uh, I'm not the greatest on a motocross track when it's comes to a dirt bike. The, uh, the corners aren't my friend. I will say that I'm not the greatest, uh, cornering, um, I even have to put a thumb throttle on it. If that tells you anything.
0: Really? <laughs> oh, man, I'm heartbroken, but okay. I can with <laughs> it. <laughs> you, you caught me off guard with that one. Oh yeah. But that's okay. It's not the first time I've heard of it. Uh, um, it's not, the, it won't be the last either. Oh no, I'm sure it won't. Dirt bump throttle on a dirt bike. That just kills me. Um, You started, what kind of machine did you race? You rode uh, little bikes when you went into the woods, right?
1: Yeah, I started on CVTs. I started on a DRR50.
0: Can you still hear the ringing in your ears?
1: Oh, yeah. 150%. I hear it all the time.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. That's one of the things that I didn't miss when I was there was those, those, because they're just so loud.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I feel like they're louder in the pits than they really are out on the track.
0: Yeah, they're a little farther away from you, and the track's a little bigger, so you don't get quite the same sharp noise. Um, how you doing? I haven't checked the points since I left Briarcliff. Um, how are you doing in the pro sport and the pro am right now?
1: Um, pro am, I'm still leading in points. Um, But for pro sport, I'm not too sure. I want to say I'm in fourth or fifth. I didn't look at how points went Uh, with the last one. I ended up wrecking in my, uh, I think it was my first moto or second moto. I ended up wrecking in one of the two motos and uh, didn't have the greatest uh, finish for overall. So not sure how that ended up with points or whatever.
0: What happened in the Uh, pro-am? Pro-am was fine.
1: Uh, pro sport was the one I wrecked in pro am I, uh, um, first moto, I ended up with a, I can't even remember to be honest. It's been so long since the race. Um, I want to say I ended up with a second in the first moto and then second moto, I ended up coming, uh, me and Joey chambers off the start, almost ended up getting, uh, tangled. I came off, and as we're both going down the whole shot, the bike just started turning left on me, and it was like my rear end just got taken out from underneath me. I think I ended up getting pushed from another rider from behind, uh, got pushed into him. Uh, his whole entire bike was up on its side, and his like head was probably not even a foot away from my knee, almost on my nerf bar. He ended up saving it, um, and I. Me and him ended up fifth and sixth on the first lap. I came from fifth all the way up to first on the second to last lap. So you got the overall? Uh, No, Aaron Salinas
0: ended up with the overall. If you won the moto and got second in the first one. I believe I got third in the first one. And he must have gotten?
1: He uh, he went uh, 2-2. Wow. Wow. I might have went 4-1, I believe.
0: (laughs) Okay. And, and you retain the point lead. How's, how's Aaron in the points? How close is he?
1: He's very close. Him, he's very close. And Joey Chambers is very close. I think Aaron's only two or three points behind me and Joey's only like two points behind Aaron.
0: So if you were to win the, the pro-am this year and finish in the top five in the, in the pro sport, would you go to the pro class or would you stay down another year?
1: Um, for next year, the, uh, the plans would be pro class. Um, I would have liked to try to like kind of jump into pro class a little bit at the end of this year, but that's not looking to be able to happen in order to do that. I'd have to lock up the classes. And I don't think that's going to be able to be possible with pro sport at this point anymore.
0: (laughs) If you don't win the pro-am championship, are you going to go up?
1: Uh, yes. Yes. Pro pro is the next is the next step for next year.
0: You're going pro next year, no matter what. Yes, sir. So do you miss the pro stock class? So to have a chance to go ride with those guys ahead of time,
1: it would be cool. Um, it would definitely be cool to, it would be like an equal playing field in a way, having equal machines and just basically seeing like, how much faster those guys' riding style really is to see compared to basically what I'm in store for next year it would be it would be definitely a experience and something I'd would have liked to do
0: What does your dad think about you going pro um he's supportive with it
1: and uh he's uh he wants to do it um this has been basically both of our dreams for this entire uh Way coming up through racing, and I just I'm excited for it. And I think he's just as excited as I am. How old are you? I am 18. I turned 19 at the end of this year.
0: Graduate high school already? Yes, sir. This year. Oh, you're going to
1: graduate are oh, you just graduated? I just graduated this year. I graduated ahead of time in January. Um, because I did a uh online school and I just well, is it's called on track, and it's um I basically did an accelerated program, got everything done within like four months and had my whole senior year done for this year.
0: So you didn't walk with a class or nothing, you just got a diploma.
1: No. If I want to walk with a class, I can go to Loretta's for bike week and the beginning of bike week, I can walk on the stage at Loretta's.
0: How does that work?
1: Uh it's so the way that on track schooling works is they are uh I think they're affiliated with, um, AMA and whatnot. So they kind of get a little bit of help, but they are at every single dirt bike national. Um, they go there and they, they're very supportive with their riders. Um, and I don't know how they have it worked out, but for the past like five or six years, they've been having their, um, their, their graduation where everybody walks the stage and everything in that, um, that big pavilion that they have there at Loretta Lens. Mm -hmm. It's been
0: right there for
1: like the past five years.
0: And are you going to do that?
1: Um, I was thinking about it, but the only problem with that is I'd have to come in like two weeks early for quads. And it's either I stay down there and train for the two weeks ahead of time, or I hang out for the dirt bike nationals.
0: (laughs) I might hang out for the dirt bike nationals.
1: Yeah, I would want to as well, but it's it's quite a long time.
0: Yeah, and, and with the price of everything, you don't want to make that trip twice.
1: Yeah, that's that's the big thing as well.
0: So what kind of machine do you run in the in the Pro Am and the Pro Sport?
1: Uh they are full Walsh
0: hybrids. Um,
1: they're handmade by Mike Walsh uh with CRF 450s in them.
0: So the transition is going to be to a Honda or a Yamaha for next year in the pro class.
1: Uh, There's another option out there as well. I'll just say that. Um, But yeah, there's i I'll I'll have to switch bikes. I'll just say that.
0: (laughs) Well, you could end up on a Suzuki.
1: That's the other possibility.
0: Um, Not many people uh, will pull that, that trigger. Um, you know, I heard rumors that it's, so you're the rumor I heard then <laughs> that you could possibly be coming out with a Suzuki. Uh, I don't think it's bad. I, I hope that, uh, that you have success with it. You know, that they're, they're fast. They turn great. Um, I don't know how they are in the, in the whoops. One of the things that, that I always struggled with them is they have so much frame drag.
1: Yeah, they do sit a lot lower than those Yamahas, but, I just enjoy riding the LTRs geometry so much better than the Yamaha. I actually like the LTRs geometry a little bit. Like it sticks to the ground and's a little bit more planted than the Walsh because of it being a little bit heavier than the Walsh.
0: And they don't. You don't have a problem really on the gate with them trying to wheelie too much. That front end gets a little bit light, but it it'll carry it all the way down the straightaway. Yeah, know. pretty much. Yeah. I think that's going to be really interesting. You know, uh, I, I hope, I hope that you have a fleet of them or a lot of parts, you know, to, yeah. that it works. The other,
1: the other benefit with it is uh, with me already running LTR parts is I already have a majority of the parts. I don't have to switch from having everything LTR going to Yamaha or Honda.
0: Right. Are you going to sell your hybrids?
1: Uh, Two of them. Yes. I'll keep one of them just to uh, kind of practice on or if I want to run pro-am for next year or not.
0: Okay. Oh yeah. Cause you can still run pro-am and pro.
1: Yes, sir. But I, I just haven't decided if I want to do that yet.
0: Do you think that, that at the level that, and the speeds that you're going to travel with the pro and the length of the motos that that's going to be hard on your body?
1: Yeah, that's my whole thing right now is thinking about that and just, um, it's a lot more much added stress. Like I think people think, um, pros in one day. So it's like, it's not as much as how it is with amateurs. Cause amateurs, you got practice on Friday and you race Saturday and Sunday, but pro is just, everything's done on Saturday. But if you really think about it, it's just your whole weekend is of three days is now jam packed into one. And it's, it's a whole lot, but I just think, uh, running pro-am would be a lot more added stress as well to the whole thing and might just kind of mess with my head a lot more than help me with anything
0: yeah i almost think that you would just focus strictly on on the one because you're dedicating yourself to the pro class and being that you're a rookie you have to focus and acclimate to the different speed and the different program you know because it's no longer uh, you're not racing for a trophy you are racing for money
1: yeah. It's, uh, it's more of a career next year than it will be, uh, for anything else, but like it's, it will still be for fun, but it's going to be turning it all into a career next year.
0: It's also a business, you know, so you have to take it yeah. as well and, and, and break it down so that you, yeah. So that you just keep all your mind on it. What do you do for training? Um, now that you're going to, it's tra- transfer over into the pro training?
1: Um, not as much training as I would like. I uh, don't work out nearly as much as I should to say, um, but uh, next year I definitely have to pick up my game a lot more than what I do for this year. I do a little bit of road biking here and there and uh, um, some like physical training, like with abs and, like core stuff, just I don't really lift any weights or anything. Kind of stay away from that. Just do a lot of uh, endurance training, which I'll have to pick up a lot more for next year.
0: What do you do in the winter time?
1: Uh, I'll go down to Florida and go down to like Decker Training Facility, and we'll hop around from uh, track to track down there uh, from around Christmas time until Daytona.
0: So right after Christmas, you leave, or or do you leave before Christmas and make mama? Uh,
1: uh, like right before Christmas? And we, uh, spent Christmas down there for the most part.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. You know, as long as you're enjoying the holidays, you know, at one place, I guess that's pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Last year we, uh, had a bunch of people all went down to Decker training facility for uh, new years and Christmas and it was a blast. Uh, we had probably 25 of, uh, all the guys from uh national 25 of us and we all had a blast for new years. It was, it was great.
0: Riding riot training and, and spending time and, and, and just the, the com- camaraderie ship or the, the friendships that you have. Um, how close are you guys as a unit in the uh, pro sport and, and pro-am?
1: Uh, we're pretty close. Um, some of us are closer than others. I will say that, um, I don't know. A lot of, uh, the guys that I were that I was pretty close with have uh, moved up and out, or we kind of split off from each other within the past two years. But like some of them are up in pro class with like Zach Decker, but, uh, I was, most of us are pretty close with each other. I mean, none of us really have any uh, negative like friendships with each other. I'll say that.
0: That's so Zach is one of the the closer guys that you're to. Yeah. Me and Zach have
1: uh, we came up through for the past like five or six years since me and him have both been doing nationals. We're pretty, we live pretty close to each other. So that kind of helped everything out with that too.
0: Zach lives up in Pennsylvania as well.
1: Yeah, he's uh, about an hour and a half uh east of me in Allentown.
0: Really? I kind of figured they were all full time down in Florida. No, he uh
1: he still lives up here. He's up here right now actually. I uh just rode with got done riding with him today.
0: And you guys didn't go to uh Pleasure Valley? You had to go somewhere else?
1: Yeah, we actually uh we we were all the way up in New York to be honest. We are actually 5 minutes from Unadilla. Really, yeah, literally, you could go. Uh, yeah, for the most part, there's slim to no tracks around me in Pennsylvania, and the ones that there are are for dirt bikes, and the ones that do allow quads allow quads slim to like none.
0: Wow, even though you could probably go out there and beat 98% of the dirt bikes, maybe, maybe all of them, sadly, yes. Wow. That's, that's unbelievable. Um, What was your reaction when uh, Jeremy Osborne reached out to you about the Friday night gig?
1: Oh, I was, uh, I was stoked. I was just, uh, I was in awe and just kind of uh, it kind of surprised me with the whole thing. It kind of uh, I wasn't expecting it at all. And I was just so thankful for the opportunity and grateful and uh, couldn't be thankful enough.
0: No, that's awesome. Yeah, cause him and I worked on it for two, almost two and a half months. And and there it was touch and go there for a little while, whether it was gonna, we were gonna pull it off. And um, I just talked with my wife and and uh, my team here and uh, my team here being uh, my kids. And um, we just pulled the trigger and just said, we gotta do it. You know, we've told them we were gonna do it. And, and if we don't do it at this one, We may not, you know, I mean, right after we, we said we were going to come, I bought the tickets and then the prices jumped again, even though they had already jumped once or twice. So, um, it it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun and a lot of work. Um, I definitely want to spend more time with you guys and talk with you about self-promotion and, and things like that to help you promote yourself as a professional. Um and even even a pro am or a sport writer or an amateur writer, uh, when you get a microphone stuck in your face, there's just you just gotta be clear, you gotta talk, you you know, you gotta have the the team shirt on. You you just have to step your game up there as well, you know. Yes, no, I, I totally understand. Yeah, it 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 was a lot of fun and and it took me back a little bit uh with you guys because we ran behind. You know, we were behind because we were waiting for a couple of people and then, you know, who's going to show who wasn't going to show. And and when they finally told me that this is what we have, we we went in there and I was a little off my game. And I apologize for that just because I w- was expecting something else. And, um, you know, it worked out. It worked out. Uh, if we do it again, it's going to be a little longer, a little more in depth, you know. Especially with the the younger guys like yourself, uh, just so that we can um, get everybody to let let them know who you are, you know. Yes, sir. You know, I mean that's that's just what we got to do is just, just get people to know who you are. Let's get back on track. How has the season been going overall? I know. Um, did you go to you? You got to go to Daytona.
1: Yeah, I did get to get I did get to go to Daytona.
0: Um, did you take your snorkel equipment with you? <laughs>
1: uh, unfortunately i left my snorkel at home and uh i regretted that one to, to say
0: oh, you took your fins though right
1: yeah i did i uh <laughs> brought my floaties too <laughs> did, did they help you or no uh not much not much at all <laughs> what did you think is that your first time to daytona that was my first time ever at daytona for racing
0: other than other than the rain uh, you know, in the track. Uh, I mean, I understand that th- that's, that's a negative positive all in all in one sentence, but how did you feel when you look up and realize where you were?
1: Oh, it's, it was an unreal experience. Like the entire weekend I was there, I was like just the, the week upcoming. Cause I went there for uh, the dirt bikes uh, previous. So just the whole week upcoming, I was sitting there thinking to myself, I was like, Wow, I'm really at Daytona and I'm really about to race this on Tuesday. This is this is crazy. This is such a surreal experience. I never ex- expected myself to be here. It was just it was unreal, to be honest. It was just such a surreal experience.
0: And how did the, the actual race go for you? Uh it didn't go the best. I was
1: pretty nervous because it was the first race of the season and it was a lot of people that I, I had rode with previous but still it was with him coming into a new season I didn't know where everybody would be sitting at for this year and I was just a little nervous but uh in my qualifier I ended up wrecking I didn't do too hot in the whole shot probably ended up like fifth or sixth I ended up uh it was super slick so I ended up sliding out one of the corners and ended up uh hitting a tough block and uh went up over the bars on that i uh, wrecked myself right into all the mud that they had just pushed right off the track. So that, that wasn't too uh, fortunate there. I went swimming in the mud for a little bit, but got back up. I ended up finishing, I think 10th in that moto. And then my main event, I think my main event was terrible. I uh, I ended up being the last one on the front row all the way on the outside. I mm. uh, got pushed super wide on the whole shot and then I ended up in the pile up in the first corner and then after that I ended up getting stuck behind uh two people who ended up uh stalling in a in a rut and I ended up just not being able to get around them and they just could not get their bikes started back up but it is what it is uh I came out of Daytona with all my toes and fingers so I couldn't uh, be uh happy about that
0: So positive that you got to go, maybe not the result that you were looking for, you know, right. Yeah, definitely was not
1: the results I was looking for coming into the season. Probably discouraged me a little bit uh, with it being the first race, but with the whole conditions and the weather and everything, there wasn't really much I could do.
0: Well, that's a good attitude. I like that. How did Texas go for you? Um,
1: Texas didn't do bad. Uh, I ended up in a pile up in the first corner as well in that one, um, but I ended up coming from last in that moto the whole way up to second, I believe. And then my second moto, I ended up in, I think, second ab- again, I believe. So I ended up with a second overall, I think.
0: For and that. that, and that's pro, uh, and that's pro sport. Yes, sir. How'd you do in Pro Am?
1: Uh Pro Am, I had a good first moto, I believe. I think I won that moto. Uh second moto, I ended up I ended up uh going over the bars with another rider in the uh towards like the end of the moto. Really? So I uh I ended up finishing I think 10th in that moto, which ended up throwing my overall to like a sixth or a seventh.
0: Have how, have you won the Pro Am race? Have you won a Pro Am race yet? Yeah, I won Aonia and
1: Sunset. Oh, wait, no, I didn't win Sunset. I won Aonia and there's one other. I won as well. well.
0: Georgia was a mud race. Yes. And did how did you fare there?
1: Uh so Saturday was really the big mud race. Sunday wasn't as bad because they had fixed the track mostly and kind of cut out the, uh, really muddy sections. Uh, Saturday, I didn't end up doing too hot. I don't believe, uh, I ended up wrecking and well, I've had a very occurring uh, theme this season in my pro sport class. I've wrecked in every single at every single race so far in pro sport, except for Ironman. So that's going to be a reoccurring theme. Um, but I ended up, uh, I ended up wrecking, flipping myself over, and then I ended up in mud. So I ended up flipping myself back over in the slop, and I think I came back to fourteenth, I think, in that moto. And the second moto, I can't remember. It was just it wasn't the greatest day for a Saturday in pro sport pro am. I think I ended up, I ended up top three in the first moto. I want to say I want to say second in the first moto and then the second moto I was I didn't have the greatest hole shot came from about 5th up to 2nd and then uh on last lap uh that's when um uh Blair Miller's quad had ran out of gas and unfortunately ended up setting him back so.
0: He was leading that race and, and, and you passed him. Yes, sir. You did, did that give you the overall?
1: Uh, yes, I believe so. Cause I think he, I'm not sure if we had a division on that one or not, but I th- believe he had won the the first moto. Mm.
0: Is, is You think Blair's a, a pretty consistent competitor? Oh
1: yeah. No, he's, uh, he's consistent. He's very consistent. Uh, he uh seems to always put himself in a good position in the whole shot and a good a good position in the race. I, uh yeah. No, he's uh he's a very consistent rider.
0: And he likes that Suzuki platform as well.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's got his own hybrid as well. His is a little bit different, but yeah, he uh he likes that Suzuki as well.
0: Yeah, there's there's a lot of you, there's a lot of you that do. Um, I was talking to Mike Walsh, not to change the subject, and he's going to start building some of the Walsh's or some of his stuff with the YFZ, uh, the 450R the Yamaha uh, parts because some of the Suzuki stuff's getting hard to get.
1: Yeah, I can imagine that. Like uh, Blair Miller's quad actually has a, a YFZ rear end on it. Like the subframe is straight off of a Yamaha, same geometry as that
0: yeah whatever whatever works right yeah I mean, so it's
1: uh it's getting crazy with the hybrids. I will say that it's uh it's definitely a a game to see uh who can have every little advantage as it is now, so I think it's only gonna get worse as it goes.
0: do you think that it you they should make it a production class um,
1: I don't know I mean if pro am was a production class it would kind of be it would be nice cuz it would be kind of closer to what pro would be like you'd have cuz now they have time qualifying so that's similar to pro and it's kind of just uh more getting you in the 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 shoes and steps and going in going pro and having like those kind of rules basically so i mean it would have its benefits but um at the same time it being an open an open class has has its benefits as well
0: is pro sport considered like a pro am class so a pro rider could come down and ride pro sport
1: no that is not pro am is the only one that is like that
0: so why do they call pro sport pro sport um i don't know
1: to be honest i couldn't tell you we had a pro sport class uh probably about five years ago and then they took it out and then they had just added it back last year or this year
0: yeah you wonder wonder what they're thinking sometimes yeah
1: it's uh it's a little odd i mean i think the reason why they have it as pro sport is because if you have a pro card previous and it is expired or like you're a retired pro you can come back into pro sport and that is like that's a stepping stone class that you can use but the whole thing with pro-am is is once you go into pro-am you're stuck in pro-am you can't go down further than pro sport but pro sport you can go from pro sport to a class you can go from pro sport to college uh, if you just have to have an a ranking basically
0: Okay. That, that, Which is why there's still that clears it up.
1: Yeah. That's why there's so many guys in that pro sport class. We have, uh, we qualify pretty much every weekend, except for last weekend. That was the only one we haven't yet.
0: Um, You didn't have a qualifier at Briarcliff?
1: No. We had, I think, 19 people in the gate or 18. Mm. So but in all the weird. other ones, we've had like 23, 24. Because I know at High Point when I ended up wrecking, I had to go to the LCQ and we had eight people in LCQ, I think.
0: And you won it, correct? Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm being a smartass. Sorry. I had to get a drink. Um, That's cool. I like the fact that you have an understanding of the rules and clarify that for me because I, you're the first person to give me an exact definition everybody else is like yeah whatever <laughs> it doesn't matter you know yeah no
1: it is it's a little confusing with how it all works out like pro sports the class that you can dabble and see how fast you are and if you decide that that's not the route you want to go you're really not able to to do say a class speed for five laps because it's an extra or six laps, sorry, because it's an extra lap other than a class. Um, Then you can just decide, all right, I'm done with that. I'm going to go back down to a and stay there. But pro-am, once you're up, you're, you're stuck. You can't go back down.
0: I like that. I like that rule, you know, because it, it, it raising pros. Yes. You know, you get into that level class and it's and it's grooming you for the pro class. Um, I'd really like it to see a couple of pros hop in there and and run with you guys just to mix it up a little bit. Back when I was mechanic and back there and, and and working with riders, they did. The pros went and rode the pro am classes because they had two or three of them that they could jump into.
1: Yeah, we had um Bryce Ford actually ran pro class. The past two previous years up until this year, then he stopped. Oh, he would run pro-am. Yeah. He ran pro-am and pro he ran his rookie year. And I believe the two following. So I think he ran it for three years in pro class and pro-am.
0: That's awesome. Did he win them all or just? Um,
1: Him and Zach went at it for a while, but I don't think Zach ever ended up winning a moto on him. I believe he won every single moto, but, I mean, Zach was there with him for sometimes, but other times he would, he would gap him. He had pro speed. So, and it was definitely nice for Zach to kind of see what he had to work himself for next year.
0: When you watch the pros now, do you monitor some of the things that they're doing so that you see where you need to be?
1: Oh no, definitely. I do. And, uh, and riding with, um, riding with these other pro riders and and putting practice in with them and riding with them consistently you can kind of you you can kind of gauge yourself a little bit off of them like knowing like okay i can if i practice with this one guy for 20 minute moto and i'm on him the entire time and he goes out in pro class and finishes seventh seventh overall consistently i should. I should be consistently finishing right behind him.
0: Yeah. That, that, that's semi-logical other than the race. Yeah. Time. Race time's different than practice
1: time. Oh no. A hundred percent. And it I has a lot to do with mental too.
0: That, oh, it's huge. It's a huge mental game. And oh yeah. The transition for you when you line up on the gate and you look to your right and it's Chad Wienan and you look to your left and it's Joel Hetrick. And you're like, Holy crap. How did I get here?
1: Uh huh. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. No, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be completely different, but I mean, you can't let it get in your head uh, too much. I'll just say that. Cause oh, uh, I, agree that. I agree with oh, that. There will definitely be a point where it hinders you. I mean, it's, it's cool and all to be in awe about, uh, your, your favorite pros and everything being on the gate with you. But at that point, they're, they're your competitors. They're not, uh, they're not your idols anymore.
0: Right. Right. And, and when you roll to the starting line, you have to have the mindset that you are the guy to be. Yes. It doesn't matter that if you're a seventh place guy realistically, but you're still have to have the focus and know I'm going to win. I'm going to win. I'm going to win. And because if you go out there and go, well, that guy's going to be at first and that guy's going to get second. What's the point?
1: Yeah. You're not out there to race for uh third place just yeah, because, uh, the eight time national champ is lined up next to you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you think that he's going to win, go put that thing in the truck right now and go home. If, yeah. If it's, you, uh, go over there it's definitely not money
1: worth
0: it. yeah, go give him your money and, and go home because it's, it's not, it, it's not the game. That's not the game you play. No, I think that, I believe in my heart watching what's going on and looking at the trend and I'm not taking anything away from Joel and Chad. Those guys are phenomenal. But if you look at that pack of riders that are behind them, there is a breakout or two that's coming.
1: Oh Mm -hmm. no, definitely. There, there always is. And even the, the classes below me, I can see, uh, I can see some riders coming up through that are, uh, figuring out their own riding style quicker than others. And that's helping them a lot uh, better to uh, get faster. And once they figure out a few more things, I think they will be just with everybody else for the most part. And those guys are younger than the other guys and still don't have the experience that they have yet, but yet are still running with them. So I think once the younger guys get the experience that those older guys have, I think uh, it'll be something interesting.
0: Yeah totally experience there, there's no substitute for experience and when you take some of those young guys that are just flat flying they haven't figured out how fast they're going yet either
1: yeah or uh figured out how exactly to stop themselves
0: well there'll be a sudden stop at some point you know yeah <laughs> you know and how well they get up or how well they get off the ground is going to determine their mindset the next time they they go ride.
1: Oh no, a hundred percent. I've, uh, I think this year has been my, uh, learning experience for all that. Uh, I've been a lot of, uh, on the gas and not really thinking too much. So I got to slow it down a little bit and let my brain catch up to my, uh, riding ability.
0: Well, you're also in a, in a learning phase of expanding your speed and learning your limits. Um, um, or, or learning how to control it at the higher speed, um, uh, you're, you're seeing growth. I can, you know, this day I carried that speed through the turn. I didn't have any problems. Why can't I do it this? And, and you have to break down your, your, you have to learn to break down the consistency so that you hit your marks every time and don't make that mistake.
1: Oh yeah. There's, there's definitely a lot that, uh, has to go into it all, um, with, like even down to training and everything is a is a big deal
0: yeah you're gonna you're gonna get a rude awakening on the training
1: part oh no 100 percent. I'm, I'm aware of that one
0: <laughs> so how many like if you guys go six laps how many laps do the pros go
1: so so pro am averages i think eight or nine laps i think, believe pro averages about 10 or 11 so it's a, it's like an extra two or three laps than pro-am
0: so that's six to eight more minutes
1: yeah pro-am is 13 minutes plus two laps pro i believe is 18 plus two
0: can i want them to go back to the okay the old days how they used to run it that you run two motos at 45 minutes a piece Holy. That's that's how they used to race the motocross nationals, the motor, the bikes, and I think that that's how they should have done the quads too. Two
1: forty-five minutes—that's a long time. Yep. that's almost a a hair scramble race.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember going to the California Carlsbad Speedway, which you probably have never heard of because you're so young, but it was an international icon. I can't believe they destroyed it, but yeah, we would go there and watch our hometown heroes race. And it was 45 minutes, you know, and they would give them, I don't remember how much time there was in between and they'd come out there and do it again.
1: That's crazy. I can only imagine the, uh, the work and dedication that it takes for that. It would have took them to like put in for seven days a week to sit down and train for a 45 minute mode of two of them at that
0: on a motocross track.
1: Yeah wide open the entire time no no breaks no sit down no nothing
0: okay let me ask you this have you ever ridden a motocross track that's not been groomed
1: (laughs) yeah I, i can say i have okay
0: practicing or racing
1: uh practicing
0: okay see when you go to the nationals they groom the track for you oh yeah i come from the era that there's the track yeah have fun no we don't got a tractor we watered it it's a mud hole out there you, you'll figure it out you know and the lines were the lines so you'd race it one weekend one way and the next weekend it would be totally different because oh, yeah how it formed in practice was what the track was
1: i can imagine the way it changed just being a 45 minute moto i mean a 20 minute moto uh on a groomed track, changes consistently. It changes like every five laps. You're changing lines. You'll have one line that, that was super fast blow out midway through, and it's like, all right, that one's not good anymore. We got to change it up for the next lap. So right. I can only imagine how 45 minutes would be. It'd be consistently changing. You'd have to be on top of the game, looking for new lines constantly.
0: Exactly, and that's 45 minutes might be a bit extreme but if they went back to a 25 minute moto or something like that, you know, 25 plus one, um, cause 18, it, it's good, but it's still shorten it up. These guys can run longer. Oh no.
1: hundred percent.
0: I mean, they're not tuckered out when they roll off the track. Some of them anyway, some of them are, but <laughs> you know, the front group isn't, you know, and yeah. I'm not trying to make it harder for you. You know, you can tell that, right. Uh huh. <laughs> no i just i just think that the, that it separates the guys that train from the guys that don't and and the, the the motos would break down a little differently with you know maybe there would be a change maybe there would be some fatigue you know so that, that's all i'm looking at
1: oh no definitely i think you'd uh you'd be able to see which riders put in more work a lot easier with it being 45 minutes long you'd see who uh kind of cuts their speed down quicker and who consistently, who can stay consistent the longest, I should say, and not, uh, just, uh, be kind of going fast, but still be messing up the entire time. You have to be able to hit your marks the entire time and be consistent.
0: Mental toughness, mental focus. When you get tired, you know, you start making mistakes because you're fatigued and you have to be able to control your mind when you're fatigued. Uh
1: Uh-huh even if that's just slowing yourself down so you're not blowing a turn and going into a turn as hot as you would, but now you're tired so you can't slam on the brakes as fast as you would earlier in the moto. So now you're kind of blowing your line that you had.
0: Well, that's allowed. That's what you're explaining is the the mental breakdown. Yeah. The, The true deal is to be exhausted and to be able to maintain that level of speed so what i'm trying to get at is at the end of your pro-am motos are you excelling against the other riders staying even or or letting or falling off
1: uh i i personally excel on the other riders at the end Yeah, I had at Briarcliff, my uh, last pro-am moto, I ran the uh, fastest lap of uh, Sunday on my second to last lap.
0: And that's what the difference is between Chad and Joel and everybody else. When you break down the last two uh, laps of that moto, they're as strong or stronger than everybody else. And right now, if you look at Joel on the last two laps is extremely strong. Yeah. He, uh, he definitely
1: has it to where I think he is able to go with 99% of his body's capability for the first, uh, all the, the timed portion of the moto. And then once that two minute or that two card comes out, he, uh, puts in that extra 1% and just gives it down
0: yeah he doesn't he doesn't break down um he he's got a different mental game this year for sure
1: oh, oh no 100% he's uh he's stepped it up like incredible
0: yeah i think uh i think that chad is is um having a, a, a an off year i definitely don't think that that chad's done um uh, like so, you know just depending on who you talk to you don't become an eight time champ and and just go ah, i'm done Oh, no, not at all. He's got another year in his contract, and he's a competitor. Dude. He's a fighter. He's He may not be able to pull it off this year, but, man, I sure wouldn't get big-headed next year.
1: No, he's he's definitely not out of it, and I think uh, that's also something he'd want to, is uh, everybody to kind of uh, take him out of it and be like, well, Chad's kind of done. He's old. He's got two kids. I think his his time's over, but... Uh, I, I think it's the complete opposite. I think he's uh going to come back swinging even harder next year. I think this year he knows what uh what he's got to do for next year and I think he's going to put his work in and uh get that get the ball rolling for it.
0: I, I do too. I totally do. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Joel. I hope Joel um stays focused with his program and keeps it going the way it is because you know that it's exciting to watch. It really is. I'm looking forward to to seeing how they do overseas you know the, the team USA guys
1: oh no that should be
0: interesting for sure I I think there's a maybe a couple fast guys overseas I know there's a couple fast guys overseas but I don't know if they can put it together with those three guys that were taken over there Man, just I just don't see the the European guys being that fast
1: yeah I uh I was actually over there for uh quad cross nations two years ago, the previous year that we had um, the USA team go out whenever it was in Germany, I went out there. Um, there's there's some fast guys out there. Um, they just I, – I just don't think they have the capability of riding on tracks like we have, so I don't think that they have the – the kind of capability to push themselves to the limit if you know what i mean
0: right they don't get to they don't have the same opportunity to go train like you do and like chad does and everybody else they don't have the same uh tracks available and there's so many more people in a in a, such a confined area that yeah. it cuts down on their ability to train plus the weather over there sucks most of the time
1: Yeah. And, uh, like, like majority of those tracks over there are either super, super deep sand and like their bike setups are like insanely different. Like their shocks are as far extended as they can go. They look like you put a lift kit on their quad. It's, it's something like incredible looking. It's weird. Like their tires are probably two inches taller than ours. It's just all different setup. It's, it's crazy to go out there and see the different stuff that they have. And and the different technology and in, in, in another country and uh but then there's definitely some fast riders out there um i don't think uh a lot of them have the endurance that uh chad and joel have like i think a lot of them can last the 30 minute moto but not be at 100 percent the whole time they're kind of holding themselves back for the first majority of it and then use what they have at the end or, or just going all out at the beginning and losing what they have at the
0: end. I agree with that. And I think it has, I think it falls back on the fact that they can train to a point, but they're not training to the level that, that that we do over here, just because of our access to it.
1: Yeah. I also don't think they, uh, I think it also has to do with, they don't have a reason to train being they don't have, the amount of guys as, as the U S does in each country, they don't have the amount of guys that they have at the uh speed and level they have. Like uh over there, it's very spread out in speed. You'll have one guy who's 20 seconds out front and then the next guy's maybe 10 seconds behind him. The next guy's maybe 15 seconds behind that guy. It's just, right. it's not consistent. You don't have anybody on top of each other kind of running if you know what I mean? It's, it's spread out.
0: Well, most of the Europeans don't really want to rub and race like you know. We'll mix it up over here and run into each other, and those guys over there don't want to touch. You know, I
1: I don't know about that. I mean, coming into the pro sport and pro am class, running with some of those uh, some some of those foreigners from the other countries. Uh, I had um, one of the uh, riders who rode in the pro class who also ran in pro am came back down and uh, we we had a moto or two where we were just going back at it. He he laid into me in one corner and I just would lay it back into him. And it was just, it was insane at Texas. The one moto I got, uh, I thought I had the whole shot. I came all the way from the outside, literally could see my corner. I'm going straight at it. And then just all of a sudden out of the middle of nowhere, I'm going completely in the opposite direction of the turn. Cause I got hit it like fourth gear wide open, completely T-boned, like, flipped in the opposite direction and almost flew myself off the side of the track.
0: Wow. And it was him and it was, and it was him.
1: Yeah, it was, it was an insane, aggressive move. And I was just like, holy. And then I ended up coming back and, uh, making my way back up through the pack ended up seeing him coming up through. And I was like, well, I'm gonna, it's coming for you too. I I mean, I'm not just going to let something happen to me and not give it back. So. I was coming to give it back to him, and I think he uh, kind of realized that in the one quarter and uh, last second. I was coming wide open into the inside, uh, and he already had that inside line. And last second, he just kind of gave it to me and went to the outside and didn't want to deal with it.
0: I think he was probably tired and knew that you were going to take him out. <laughs>
1: yeah, I think uh, I think it had something to do with that. I don't know. He uh, I after that at Aonia. I um got into it with him again at aonia he's he was just an aggressive rider. I will say that
0: no malice just just rode aggressively,
1: yeah, pretty much, I guess, but I will give it to him he he kept it on all fours. he didn't kinda do any stupid decisions that would have hindered himself
0: <laughs> that's that's good for both of you. <clears throat> yeah do do you like the bigger jumps
1: oh i like the bigger jumps yeah i mean it all depends some of them are uh, a little scarier than others but i like hitting big jumps
0: what's your favorite track to race on
1: um hmm. that's a hard one uh i'd probably say for this year i'd probably
0: say iron man even though it was a, was it that bad it wasn't that bad on on Sunday for you guys
1: yeah it wasn't as bad on Sunday and Friday practice it was pretty nice i mean i expected ironman to rain it's pretty much rained every year at ironman since i've done nationals so that's been something i've expected uh, way before we even came into that weekend really yeah i don't think i've been there one time and it hasn't rained to be honest
0: how many times have you been to muddy creek um uh, Muddy Creek, I think I've been to four or five times. And is it ever dry? Yeah. Really?
1: Yeah, it was it was pretty nice there the first couple of years I went. I actually liked that track a lot until they uh until the last year we went there. They um I think they uh got new owners to the track and whoever uh prepped the track put a bunch of tan bark down all over it and it just uh didn't form the same at all it wasn't a hard pack track anymore that like blue grooved track that it was it wasn't the same at all
0: wow but this, so they messed it up in my you opinion don't go yeah. over, you guys don't go back there anymore no we don't i uh i believe it's owned by the
1: same people that own south of the border Okay in yeah. which we don't go back to south of the border either. Must have
0: pissed somebody off, huh?
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: <laughs> well, that's generally what happens. Uh, yeah, because we raced at Muddy Creek a bunch of times, and, dude, it was I, – I think we raced there one time in the sun. Really? Yeah, every other time we went there, it was just a muck, water mess, just, you know, when it came up on the schedule, I wanted to have somewhere else to go.
1: yeah and that's not the greatest for that track either
0: well why do you think they call it muddy creek
1: yeah i I didn't even think about that one
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know i mean some of this stuff you know it used to rain every when we go to loretta's four o'clock boom it would downpour for 20 minutes Stop you know you push all the water off the easy ups and for about 10 minutes it was nice and comfortable and then that humidity would come back and you'd be like oh no we're uncomfortable again
1: yep i know how that is
0: yeah you've been there right
1: Uh uh-huh that's how it was last year for us uh the whole shot was so bad that it was probably it was probably a foot thick of just muck off the whole shot to where the point where they had 50 riders and the 70 class and the 90 class, like barely the 90 class riders were able to make it off the whole shot. Uh, The 50 class, I don't think they had one kid make it through the whole shot. And then the 70 class, they they only had like three kids make it off the whole shot.
0: At that point, you got to look at the promoter and go, what are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I, it it could have been, I mean, all you really had to do was go to the whole shot, kind of push stuff over to the side. It wasn't that hard to do it, but I mean, The day it rained, the whole track was pretty much muddy. The day after that, the only part of the track was the start, and it was just terrible.
0: Mm, Man, I don't know what sometimes some of those people are thinking. I I remember, you know, we know that the rain's coming. We didn't have radar. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have it. But you just knew from Watching the terrain, the, the clouds, the things like that. You got, you got. We were better at it then than we are now. I think because now you look at your phone and you're looking at the radar. You're not paying attention to the sky and what what the, the wind and all that stuff. And you're just telling the promoter, "Don't till it, don't till it, don't till it." And then they till it, and then it's just muck. And you're just like, "We told you, don't do it." Yeah, uh, that's. doing you guys don't know shit. I'm a dirt guy, and I go well, dirt guy when, when I'm rebuilding my engine, because you just made it a mucky mess, I'll send you the bill.
1: That's uh that's kind of the situation we had at, um, uh, at Aonia, uh, the night before everybody was, we all knew it was going to rain the day, the day after we, everybody was expecting Saturday to be a mud hole and be a muddy mess. And, uh, the, I, a lot of people said something to like the the people who were prepping the track, and they were like, "Oh yeah, uh, we're just uh, we're just gonna uh, rip it up tonight and water it for tomorrow." He's like, uh, "We don't um, we don't prep it for rain the next day because when we do that, it doesn't rain, and then and then the track is super dusty the next day." Or he said something like that, um, and they ended up not buttoning up the track. They ended up ripping it up and watered on top of it, and it was terrible it was like a six inches of muck around the entire track like it was a slip and slide it was that mud is probably the heaviest mud out of any race i've ever been at it was insane after the first corner my chest protector that i had on the outside of my gear which was the worst decision ever because all the mud was stuck to it was hanging off my chest probably six inches off my chest my helmet felt like it was like 60 pounds and i couldn't even see out of it it was just weighing my whole, uh, the visor and everything was just pulling it straight down. And I could barely even see out of my goggles.
0: Have you ever seen, and I don't even remember where I seen this tear offs for the helmet.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I did that at, uh, Aonia actually. I mean, not Aonia. I did that at Daytona. I, um, duct taped a old Scott goggle. Um, just lens to like my to the visor and then put a tear off on top of that
0: well i've seen guys take the helmet and put a like a saran wrap almost over it and then during the race would peel it off you know and lighten the helmet up for because it was the the mud would stick to it you know to give them a little bit of relief for for a maybe a lap or two until it just accumulated more mud yeah no that that, i think that would definitely help out a lot yeah it's just when you got to peel that thing off it's it's that's kind of rough
1: yeah like because of us having so many mud races i went and uh contacted my rep at uh 60 helmets and got a bunch of uh they make uh like foam kits for your helmet which is like just it's like this foam pad that kind of goes over top of the visor and over little bit of the sides and basically whenever you put your uh helmet down to kind of deflect the mud it bounces off the foam rather than sticking to the foam
0: that's kind of ingenious
1: yeah i used that at Briarcliff, and uh so i talked to my 6D rep and he's he told me uh the way to do it is because the adhesive on it's so sticky he said don't just put the adhesive on the helmet because you won't be able to get the foam off he said uh, he had me like coated in uh lubricant or SC one. And so I sprayed SC one all over my helmet and stuck the foam on and midway through my moto, I felt I could just feel this piece of, uh, whatever it was, which was foam. I could feel it just kind of fly off my helmet midway through the moto.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: Cause it was just not sticky enough. Cause I had just coated it so much in SC one, but I mean, it, it, it would definitely help in a, in
0: a thick mud race yeah you just don't want it to come off too soon yeah basically Well, no, the best the best solution for the mud is whole shot
1: yeah no 100% i can't agree with that anymore
0: do you run do you have a uh, like a different tire choice setup like uh, i know the woods guys run 21 uh 20s um do you ever have any 23 22s or anything like that so that if it's really bad you could go to a real big tire
1: i just have um so what I normally run is the Maxis Razor Plus MXs. And then for MUD, i I have uh one set of uh Razor Plus um for the XCs, which is I think an in, inch or two taller in the front and rear.
0: Right. Right. Yeah, we've we've went to a couple of races where we had to run the twenty three, twenty twos, which are desert, desert tires because it was just so bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, I feel like Daytona would have been the time to use one of those.
0: (laughs) Maybe because the ruts were so deep, you could have got yourself up a little taller, you know, and had less issues.
1: Yeah. I mean, I feel like for Daytona, I would have honestly rather to have like a jet ski or a paddle boat or something for that one,
0: but. (laughs) Well, don't leave your snorkel at home next time.
1: Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely coming prepared this year. It's (laughs) uh, it's been a muddy season this year. So We've been up in our mud game each uh, race, getting something new to uh to add to the arsenal of uh mud treatment. But it's uh th- this year has definitely been a-, a learning year. I will say that.
0: What did you think of that Ironman Pro race?
1: <laughs> Insane! I was down there in staging um for for one of my buddies a couple motos uh, prior to the pro race, and when it was just downpouring, and then it had cut off. And whenever the previous mode before went out, it had lightning strike like one time. And I'm like, okay, all right, they're gonna delay it like 30 minutes now. And then we're sitting there in staging and they start running pros up on the gate. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make any sense. They should have delayed it 30 minutes. And then pros are up on the gate, it starts downpouring. Like just a me like just downpouring and we're sitting there. I'm up, I'm like sitting behind the gates. Cause I'm not allowed like up in stage, like up on the gates. So I'm sitting behind them and I'm listening to thunder, listening to lightning go off. And I'm like, all right, they should delay it. Listen to the lightning and thunder go off again. I'm like they should delay it. Listen to it go off again. And then I hear all the bikes start up and I'm like, well, I guess we're going racing
0: and and did any of the pros object
1: oh they were mad there was so many people pissed up on that gate it was it wasn't even funny like because the whole thing was is the the uh previous um round had been mud as well so everybody had just rebuilt all their stuff everybody had pretty much fresh engines and so we were throwing fresh engines out on there on a track that was worse than anything we'd pretty much ever gone out there. And it was already, it was still raining. There was deep water puddles at every corner and every point of the track you went on. There was just water, standing water everywhere. Um, if there was a time you were going to blow up the bike, that was going to be it. So, I mean, I believe every single pro rider had to rebuild their bike after that one.
0: Yeah. There was no saving any of them. Uh, from what I heard that there was failures, you know, three turns into the, into the race.
1: Yeah, there was, uh, there was a lot of hectic stuff going on. There's people, uh, pulling off mid moto cause their bikes just shut off and then run into the mechanics area, halfway across the track, grabbing, um, and, a change of a air filter, running back over to their quad with an air filter and the screwdriver to change it, changed out the air filter, starting back up their bike, putting their bike up on ends to get all the water to come out of the uh, intake, everything they could possibly do to just dry that thing out and get that thing started back up to finish the motor.
0: That is insane. Just insane. yeah. with the couple pros that I've spoken to said that if they would have had time to prepare with their water systems, they still would have had issues.
1: Oh, no, 100%. And that was the other thing. They had no preparation for mud or anything. There was no preparation. Everybody had little tires. Not one person had big tires out there. Like, it was just zero preparation. um, Pretty much open-air boxes. But I don't think even closing anything off would have helped too much with mud bogging, basically.
0: Yeah, that much water. (laughs) That was pretty crazy that those two Hondas kept running and, and didn't have, didn't seem to have too many issues.
1: I know that is, is incredible. The only two bikes out there that just kept on going for two Hondas.
0: And Wolf made a calculated error or he would have won the moto.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I actually believe majority of people thought, um, Wesley was actually leading the
0: race. He was until Nick passed him.
1: Yeah, and uh, they thought he was a whole lap down. Oh, wow. that's They thought Nick was a whole lap down, so when they passed him, they thought they had nothing to worry about. So nobody told Wesley, hey, you got to pass Nick back, otherwise you're not getting this win. So he just kind of sat back, rode his race, did what he had to do.
0: Oh, that's heartbreaking. Because I know Wesley's quite the competitor. But, you know, it was a great story for Nick, though, too, at the same
1: time. Oh, 100%.
0: Yeah, that, that that's pretty awesome. I, I couldn't believe, I didn't realize it was that bad. I mean, I didn't know that it was that bad. Oh, um, yeah, it was it was bad. I saw some pictures and then I, I got a little, I don't even remember really who I talked to, but I talked to somebody and they freaking told me what was going on. And then I reached out to Nick and talked to him. And then he gave me the lowdown and I was like, whoa, that was bad.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, to, to put it in perspective, there was riders helping other riders to get across the finish line, which I mean, you don't see that. I mean, competitors helping other competitors just get their own machines across the, uh, the finish line to complete one lap is something you don't see every day.
0: I thought the funniest thing was I was talking to, I was talking to Chad and he said he rolls up to the finish line jump. And his bike shuts off and he's sitting there and he's like, Oh man, what am I going to do? And then Joel rose up, rolls up next to him and stops right next to him. And they're looking at each other like, what are we going to do? And Chad's bike refired. Joel's didn't, you know? um, Yeah. You know, it it worked out for, it worked out semi for both of them, you know, uh, because they both ended up with a finish.
1: Yeah, no, definitely it did. Uh, and that's when all those other guys decided uh, – they asked the refs and uh, the flaggers that were over there at the finish line jump if it was okay if they all uh, helped Joel push his bike up the uh, finish line jump.
0: Yeah, there was a couple other riders that were just pissed because they were in position positions they couldn't get help. Yeah, well, they might that have was a big thing. Different if they, they might have been able to do something different if – they would have known that they could have gotten help.
1: Yeah, it did suck in that position. And the other thing is, is if you broke nowhere close to the finish line jump, you're not pushing your bike halfway across that muddy track.
0: No, you know, somebody would have to tow you. um, And I don't know what the rules are on that. Outside assistance is people that aren't in the race and this is how I would read the rule book based on what I was told and I didn't read the rules. So anybody that wants to yell at me over this, I'm sorry. Um, you can correct me. It's okay. Um, and you know, I say that because people do comment. I, I get all kinds of uh, different emails and, and private messages and text messages. and it, It's okay. But as far as the rule goes, the way I have interpreted it from the information I've give was given that if you're in the race, you can help anybody you want. You can't, if you are an outsider, you can't touch the machine. Yeah, I know. Um,
1: I know you're not allowed any assistance from a flagger or a referee or anything like that. Um, now, I do know when at Aonia they had disqualified Max Lindquist for getting out, they called it outside assistance from a flagger because I think the flagger had helped him get his bike out of the mud or something but there was a reasoning being on why it didn't count to an advantage so he didn't get disqualified for it it got appealed to where he actually was it was fine
0: yeah because he didn't gain anything by it no you know uh, so I I get it I get it Dane, I want to thank you so much for taking the time with me and uh, sitting down and talking. It was an excellent conversation, and I hope that we get to do this again in the future. And I really want to get with you at the end of the year to find out how your season goes and to talk to you more about your transition. and, And if you go into the pro class, I think that that's a very intriguing story.
1: Yeah, no, I I'd love to be back on again. It was a uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, Leonard. And uh thank you for having me on. I uh can't thank you enough for giving me the opportunity to be up here and talk to everybody and uh tell my story.
0: Well, that being said, we didn't get too deep into your backstory. Um, maybe we will at some point point go back in time and history and 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 rattle some of those memories and 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 let people know where you come from and, and how the transition to motocross from from cross country was for you and, and and get a little deeper the team here at atv talk would love your feedback please email us at hello at atv san diego's body evolution and wellness center with over 17 years experience Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment 619-987-8875. Duncan
1: Technologies International more
0: than 33 years in the industries building racing programs and ATVs around the world we build winners thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the episode if you did don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved
1: ones follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV talk news
0: see you next time